When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. It's one person coming in from China. It's going to disappear one day. It's like a miracle. It will. We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic. The Betches Sup Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Hello, and welcome to the Sup Daily CoronaCast. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And I'm Sammy Fishbein. And the CoronaCast is your daily rundown of all the latest news on COVID-19, how we're getting through it, and just how close we are to ending this crisis. Let's get into it. Hey, Sammy. Hey, Brian. How are you? Um, Could be worse and also could be better. What about you? Same, same. People keep asking me, like, how we're holding up. And I'm like, I mean, the same as everyone else. Like, you know, it's like the only thing that like, I I don't want to complain at all because everyone is obviously either has it like much worse than I do or we're all in the same boat, but I just do miss people. Really? It's funny because I always thought that you were not such a people lover. No, I know. I thought the same thing, but I miss, but I mean, not like, I just miss other people. <laughs> right, right. You miss like the option. I miss yes. the option. That's exactly where you, it. I w- where, yeah. Where do you guys get like supplies and stuff out there? So there, there's a grocery store here four time, four days a week. And the ferry runs basically every day, except for today, because the wind is like 70 miles per hour. So the, the, the ferry isn't, isn't working today, obviously. So better stay safe. You don't have to take the ferry to the groceries though, right? No. Then okay. it's it's a really great system. It's like we eat, they have like a PDF of all the stuff they have available. And then, so we like send an email of all the things that we want slash need. And then they, they shop for us and then leave it outside. Wow. That is like pretty amazing. Yeah. That sounds like the safest grocery store I've ever heard. Yes. Fire Island, you know, here we you are. don't have them coming into your houses. Which no, is like, but, yeah, yeah. No one's coming into the houses, and I, I, I have gloves and masks when I pick up everything. Oh yeah, actually, my father, who's a dentist, sent me gloves because I couldn't get any. So I'm mm-hmm. glad he's, you know, making himself been, useful after all. I've this been time. using um, rubber dish gloves, but then you have to wash them. <laughs> I do, and then I like disinfect them. Yeah, and then that's, I wash them. It's a lot. It really is. Know. Um. Let's get into the headlines. Yes, yes. So as of this morning, more than half a million people in the United States have been infected with coronavirus. Um, 22,000 have died at least. Uh, it's infected at least 1.85 million people around the globe. For the first time in history, all 50 states are under a disaster declaration at the same time. Um, and both the Surgeon General and the CDC Director are saying we are now at the peak but that still means a lot of death until we really start to trend downwards. 
uh, reading those numbers every week is really jarring. <laughs> and also, another news, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is out of the hospital. He thanked the NHS and those who saved his life as he left hospital on Sunday, saying things could have gone either way for him. He spent three nights in the ICU. He received standard oxygen treatments. And now around the world, cases are rising rapidly in Russia, India, and Thailand. Um, interesting just that you that you mentioned India and Thailand because I know a lot of people were talking about like the seasonality of the virus. And some people had said that there was like a little bit of a lower infection rate in India where you'd expect there to be a very high infection rate, which sort of favored the seasonality argument of the virus. Mm -hmm. But now seeing that... Um, that's not the case. Although they, I guess they are kind of heading into like their winter. I don't know what the weather is there now, but um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but I was just curious to see, like, I, if you look at Australia, it doesn't seem to be as spreading as much or as quickly. Right. What but are what, but what policies are they doing? Well, they're. I think they're quite strict, but they're also like a like an island. That too. <laughs> <laughs> But it is very, it is, it is, it is summer or an ending of summer there. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the seasonality thing I think is, is questionable. I mean, we're obviously all hoping that it's seasonal, but I, it doesn't seem like that's definite. Mm -hmm. um, just some updates on how the Trump administration is doing. Um, the big story coming out of this weekend is that um, Trump is losing patience with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um, and especially this, this weekend, he tweeted, he retweeted someone who would use the fire Fauci hashtag. So that's kind of like step one in, you know, the way he like, you know, boils the frog. Mm -hmm. He usually kind of works up to what he's eventually going to do so that by the time he does it, we're all like, oh, that I was waiting for that three weeks ago. Yeah, um, we've seen him do this before. So the source of this is that there has always been tension between what um, Trump is saying, you know, about various things, whether it's about medications, whether it's about the certainty that hydroxychloroquine is um, a cure, um, whether they're talking about how long social distancing guidelines need to go on for. It always seems like Fauci um, has a little bit of a different view than Trump does, um, and that can get him into trouble. So this started when Fauci went on CNN's State of the Union, and he acknowledged that the country could have stayed, uh, could have saved lives if they had started mitigation efforts earlier, meaning if we had started social distancing earlier, if the, if the country had been um, a bit more aware of what was going on before, let's say, like March 10th. Mm -hmm. um, so he was on with Jake Tapper, and Jake Tapper noted that while the U.S. has only about 4% of the world's population, it has 30% of the world's coronavirus infections. Um, so Tapper asked Fauci bluntly, if had the president taken action as early as the health experts asked, um, would fewer Americans have died? And we're going to play his response. Do you think lives could have been saved uh, if social distancing, physical distancing, stay-at-home measures had started third week of February instead of mid-March? You know, Jake, again, it's the what would have, what could have. It's very difficult to go back and say that. I mean, obviously, you could logically say that if you had a process that was ongoing and you started mitigation earlier, you could have saved lives. Obviously, no one is going to deny that. But what goes into those kinds of decisions is, is complicated. But you're right. I mean, obviously, if we had 
right from the very beginning, shut everything down, it may have been a little bit different, but there was a lot of pushback about shutting things down back then. So you can hear that he, uh, Fauci is pushing, is trying to avoid, you know, answering um, a lot before he eventually does concede that if measures were taken earlier, lives would have been saved. And after that interaction, um, a few hours later, the... Trump retweeted um, a tweet from the former GOP candidate for Congress, Deanna Lorraine, who tweeted about Fauci's appearance on CNN and called it fake news and used the hashtag fire Fauci. Yeah. So it's the classic, um, you know, you criticize criticize Trump and he is ready to turn on you, even though Fauci is like the expert. It's what keeps happening over and over again with with this president is that like, the experts try and relay facts and, but they can't relay the facts because the president is lying about those facts. So it's like, it's, it reminds me, you know, it's, it happens all the time, you know, with the, um, with the hurricanes going to Alabama, Sharpie gate. Oh my God. All that, like, like that seemed like such a big deal. And now it's like um, happening every day with the coronavirus. What about like, remember, I mean, he's done this with a lot of, with any yeah. sort of like natural disaster, raking the forest, bombing <laughs> the hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the other thing he wanted to do? Like he, there was at one point where he wanted to do something else to like some sort of weather event. Yeah. It's like, that's not, that's not how that works. And then it there was were the like, Sharpie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so this all came after a long New York times article that came out Friday about all the red flags that Trump ignored. The, the piece is titled, he could have seen what was coming behind Trump's failure on the virus. I have to tell you, I was reading this article today and it was, I just started like getting red and angry. It was, it's, it's really damning. Everyone should check it out. So yeah, details, all the red flags he ignored um, while the coronavirus was spreading across the United States. Uh, we've actually read other pieces like this before, but this one has a lot of details and broke the news that health experts asked Trump to implement social distancing guidelines and the third week of February, as opposed to the middle of March when he actually did it. Yeah, I mean, it's if I had lost a family, or you know what, you don't even need to lose your own family member to be infuriated about the fact that these deaths were preventable. Mm-hmm. And that's like ultimately what we're, what's going to come out. I mean, if there were, you know, weeks and months of hearings on Benghazi where there was significantly less death um, and clearly less preventable. Um, Why is it that we can't hold the president accountable for the fact that he didn't act and in fact was praising China for their handling of this at the time? Um, It's also a big, a big, um, part of this report was also in reference to Trump's trade advisor, Peter Navarro, who is a complete hack. Um, But he happened to write Trump a a memo on January 29th. So um, basically he was warning, he he recognized the danger and he was warning that if drastic measures were not taken, up to 30% of the US population could become infected and half a million people could die. So we've seen estimates on either side of that number. Um, and the new reporting on this particular interaction showed that not only did Trump refuse to take serious action, but he was mad at Navarro for writing this memo. Um, it's surprising that he even knows what the memo said because he can't read. Um, mm-hmm. but, and, and that was 
the day after where he treated where he treated where he tweeted that coronavirus was very much under control in the USA um which is obviously not true he also denied seeing this memo from Peter Navarro but his aides say that he discussed it with them and that he actually implemented one of the suggestions which was to ban travel from China which has become his like claim to fame like i ban i ban travel from china even though he didn't actually ban travel from china there were u.s nationals coming in from china Uh and like i believe still are also they've been able to track that the majority of cases in the united states have stemmed from europe and not china so right you know what what is science what is what is data facts who cares yeah um, public health experts so now let's take you take us you know the new york times article took takes us three weeks later to February 21st, um, when public health experts wanted to meet with Trump to recommend aggressive social distancing and stay-at-home orders after they were seeing um, the situation in Seattle, which was the first uh, city that was significantly hit in America. Um, so we were, they were supposed to have this meeting on February 21st. Trump canceled the meeting because he got pissed off that a CDC official told members of Congress that the pandemic could be really bad, which caused, stock, which caused stocks to tumble. So he's just mad that the public health experts were basically doing their job. Um, he called Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar an alarmist. Um, this is the guy, you might remember a few weeks ago, who... Um, who tried to tell him about the pandemic and he got mad that there were still restrictions on vaping flavors. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he basically said, fuck it. And he put Pence in charge, um, sidelining the experts. Cause you know, Pence is not exactly science's number one fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, uh, the Alex Azar's assistant secretary had predicted 110 million coronavirus infections, leading to over 500,000 deaths. Um, and then it took an additional three weeks for the president to actually issue the social distance guidelines, which was also done reluctantly. It's wild to see that it took a whole three weeks, especially when you look at the numbers, like how, you know, if we had acted one day earlier, another day earlier, another day earlier, it just increases exponentially just by one day. And there were three weeks. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there could have been so many people saved. It's really Mm -hmm. wild. Um, There, I mean, so that's assuming they had started February 21st, but there was actually a group of public health experts that they call themselves the Red Dawn, which is like, I think a movie from 1984. It's a reference to, yeah. Um, and they had actually started sounding alarms even earlier in January. Um, they had been trying to get their warnings to the federal government after seeing what was coming out of China. Um, many of them are members of government, so clearly they are empowered to help us. Um, and they knew in January that this would be huge. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you, you and I both know people, Elise, um, who thought that they had coronavirus in February. Yeah, totally. And you know what's interesting is, like, I feel like you and I were, like, talking about the coronavirus in January and February, like, starting to freak out. So, like, if we're, as us just, like, like, dumb civilians (laughs) who don't know anything about science, we were still like, this doesn't seem like it's going to be that great. And they had all the information. Right. Because you don't, it's not like it takes like a genius. Like, you know how illness works. Like, you know what, con- you've seen contagion. Yeah. At this point, we've all seen contagion. And like, it's, because uh, I also in, let's say like January, 
early January. I was like, okay, maybe this won't be anything. Maybe it'll be like SARS or like H1N1 mm-hmm. where like there were clearly, it was clearly an issue, but it wasn't like none of us stayed home for months. It like, wasn't as contagious. It was, yeah. right. So, but I kept seeing like, you know, certain people playing it down and then certain people were like really playing it up and kind of like revealing those things that China was trying to hide. The comedian Jenna Friedman was like really... um Mm-hmm. on top of it like the whole time um and so i was following her i was like praying she was being alarmist yeah he wasn't <laughs> um but yeah and then it just all came crashing down on us well there was that one thing that they referenced in the article about these red dawn people side note i'm also reading a book series where they have a say like the it's like called the red queen and they have a saying called ride red, rise red as the dawn it's recommended it for like the it, sun. It, it, it's I guess like they're trying it's it's like a whole fantasy novel place it it makes sense in the context of of the world funny story I did think it was a trilogy but it didn't turn out to be a four book series and so I read the the third and final book and I was like that was very like a lame ending and then I (laughs) that's really funny I googled it like two weeks later I was like oh anyways you're like um, I really can't get over how like they didn't really tie up any loose ends here. You just edited it? That's so weird. Yeah. It's like you <laughs> but, end Harry Potter when, like, when, when, what's his name? Voldemort's trying to go into, like, Dumbledore's tomb. To tomb. He's like, he gets, the, he gets the Elder Wand and that's the end. Yeah. Uh, but, um. You can infer so the rest. This, yeah. There's this one part in the article where these Red Dawn people, they sent an email talk like this was like in mid-February, I believe. And they're like, oh, so it turns out there was this 20-year-old girl in china who was sick who spread who showed no symptoms and spread it to five other people and they're like are you serious that's crazy and even after that there was still nothing well there was apparently like in south korea which has done a really good job of controlling the virus because they're able to trace so um effectively they were able to figure out that one person spread the virus to like a thousand people because he went to i believe like a church service and that was like like that guy is like responsible for like so many of the South, like a, such a high percentage of the South Korean cases because they were able to get it under control. And it's just like, it's wild because I just don't see any of that happening here. Yeah. It's like, like the, it's like the movie paid forward, but with like bad infectious diseases. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> the are not of pay it forward is very similar. <laughs> but it's, um, it's I, speaking of South Korea, I saw this, uh, tweet with a picture south korean government is sending their citizens care packages every i believe week it might be every month but in the care packages like food like a test kit uh it looks like hand sanitizer i can't tell like what the actual product is but like something with a pump Mm -hmm. it's like and we get like I don't know, eviction notices? Like, what do I we know. get in America? Not, we actually, they put a hold on eviction. That's not accurate, but yeah. I'm just speaking glibly. But they put, they, they're like, oh, you're going to get one check for $1,200, but you might not get it till October. Yeah. How are, <laughs> also, maybe that's why they're trying to uh, put the Postal Service out of business so they don't have to be responsible for sending those checks. I know. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. 
Since I started using Pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and a of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. 
Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Amid all of this, Trump wants to open the country on May 1st. Right. Uh, which is like two weeks from now, so Yeah. Trump said Saturday on Fox News he'll reopen the economy based on a lot of facts and a lot of instincts. <laughs> uh, his instincts three weeks ago were to have the economy opened up and raring to go by Easter. Alas, that was yesterday. Uh, so here we are. Yeah. Still uh, in our homes. So, yeah. Here is a clip of him speaking on Friday, responding to what metrics he'd use to determine when to recommend reopening the economy. Listeners, you won't be able to see this, but every time he says in here, he is, in, in fact, pointing to his head. So <laughs> let's, let's listen to that. I want to get it open as soon as we can. We have to get our country open, Jeff. Can you say, sir, what metrics you will use to make that decision? Uh, the metrics right here. That's my metrics. That's all I can do. I can listen to 35 people. At the end, I've got to make a decision. And I didn't think of it until yesterday. I said, you know, this is a big decision. But I want to be guided. I'm going to be guided by them. I'm going to be guided by our vice president. I'm going to make a decision based on a lot of different opinions. Some will maybe disagree, and some I'd love to see it where they don't disagree. Will there be risks? There's always going to be a risk that something can flare up. I saw that clip, and I was like, oh, we're all going to die. Yeah. (laughs) In here. It's like, what? It's like, you have the foremost healthcare system, I mean, so they say, in the world. Mm -hmm. And you're going to rely on Donald Trump's brain that wanted to nuke a hurricane. Yeah, And thought the answer to forest fires was raking the forest. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a blessing, not a blessing, but you know what, I don't know how to say this, but it really isn't his decision anyway. So mostly, yeah. mostly governors and mayors make and enforce those calls. But, of course, the White House guidelines could influence many of them to take one course of action over another. And Trump has repeatedly said that he has the absolute authority to do it. He tweeted out that for the purpose of creating conflict and confusion, some in the fake news media are saying that it is the governor's decision to open up the states, not the president of the United States and the federal government. Let it be fully understood that this is incorrect. It is the decision of the president, and for many good reasons. With that being said, the administration and I are working closely with the governors, and this will continue. Sorry, it's really hard to read his tweets. This doesn't mean anything. It don't make sense. (laughs) I'm trying to read this, and I'm like, wait, I I can't, like, use, like, a normal diction because, like, the the grammar is all over the place. He says, it's a a decision by me in conjunction with the governors and input from others will be made shortly. However, when he is criticized for not overriding some states who refuse to implement stay-at-home orders, he says, I don't have that authority. So he's, you know, contradicting himself. I mean, there's no, like, what does he think the economy is? Like, it's a machine? Like, it's a TV? Like, Like, you can't turn it on or off. Like, even if you could say every single restaurant in America has to operate, okay, like, but what if no one's going to go to it? Like yeah. no one's going to go to the restaurants or the movie theaters. Like no one's going to hold events. No one's going to like spend their weekends like in a museum or like shopping because they don't want to be around people. So that you're basically forcing businesses to operate and then you're going to force them to go out of business because they're operating with no clientele. 
Yeah. Brian's just nodding, like, very slow. <laughs> He's like, mm-hmm. I know. I just watched Unorthodox all four seasons, and I didn't oh, realize that they did that so much. That was, like, my favorite show. I love that really show. Good. I have so many, so many things to say about it. We can talk about it another time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, the experts... Yeah, the experts are saying um, Christopher Murray, who's the guy who authored the modeling the White House task work force has been using, said this weekend that opening by May 1st would very clearly have a rebound in coronavirus cases if social distancing guidelines are eased on May 1st. So he said we don't have the testing capability to contain additional outbreaks. So if we open on May 1st without that capability, we'll be back on track for 100,000 to 240,000 deaths and have huge spikes in July and August. Oh, that's not that's what, what I'm I want. trying to schedule my wedding um, for if I can. model is projecting. I know. I want to do something in July and August. I don't want to be I don't want to I don't want to be sitting in a, inside again. I know. So his current model projecting about 60,000 deaths is based on extreme social distancing nationwide through the end of May. Yeah. I mean, I don't get how they can possibly do this if they don't, if you can barely even test the people who have coronavirus or like think that they might have it. You can't even test people like for the first round of like universal testing of like asymptomatic people. How can you possibly Mm -hmm. like come up with a testing regime that is centralized enough that you actually like are stopping cases? Because even if like New York has a great testing regime and California has a great testing regime, what about the people who come from like Florida or any other uh, state with a Republican governor who doesn't have that and they're just like making it worse? Okay. So on that note, Fauci also spoke on CNN yesterday about the process of turning the country back on and back on. Um, He says it won't be a light switch situation, um, but a rolling process that can happen once we can test, isolate, and trace potentially infected people. Um, In general, health experts aren't necessarily saying next month absolutely can happen, but they don't see that the testing capability required to get us there is happening anytime soon. Um, They basically, the CDC says, and this should be pretty obvious, um, that reopening the economy would require a very aggressive contact tracing, which require the government to hire thousands of people to test everyone. And you can't trace them if you can't test. So it doesn't seem like any headway is really being made into the steps. Like, yeah, we all want to open the economy. Like, no one wants to do this. Like, No one wants to lose their job. No, no one wants to be doing this. But like, if you can't, put the steps in place that would allow us to like actually see the number of cases, mm-hmm. then you can't open the country. But Trump doesn't want to know the number of cases because he doesn't want to be held accountable for like this insane number. So he won't put the testing in place that's required to actually make the economy function. Yeah. Because he's a fucking idiot. Oh gosh. I just really hope we can, you know, really hold his feet to the fire in November with all of this, you know, inaction. He's basically killed, like not killed, but he is responsible. He is partially responsible. Negligence. negligence. Is it is negligent homicide a, a count it, you could get? <laughs> or manslaughter? I don't know. Maybe that is what manslaughter. I think that is what manslaughter is. But that's the other thing is like, if my, if I like, if I, I had a family member who was like a, you know, staunch Fox News 
like viewer and then they got coronavirus and died because John Hannity and Laura Ingram were taking cues from the president to say this is not a big deal. This is a great time to travel, which is actually what they said. Not those two specifically, but on Fox. So it's like, can you sue Fox News for that? Like I, I, th- I I mean, I've heard like rumblings that there will be lawsuits. I have a feeling it'll be like in 10 years, like, you know how you hear like the mesothelioma commercials about 9-11? Yeah. I think it's going to be like that. It's like if you, I don't know, took hydroxychloroquine or like have a family member who something who was like forced to go to work during, you know, May 2020, like maybe you could get compensated. But like Ugh. you can't compensate for a human being being on the planet. So yeah, I just don't. I don't want to do this. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to have to talk about this guy after this. It's awful. I know. I know. I never want to talk about him again. What do you, what do you think again. Joe Biden's going to announce his running mate? I hope. I, I want to say soon, but I also don't think it matters because like we're so far away from the election that it's just what yeah. is time at this point. Um, but like I would love to be excited about the person. I know. Because it's not like he's, like, so out there. No, he needs to pick someone who can, like, is a good public speaker and yeah. be, like, a, a good face. I will say that I was talking to my mom about this. Like, we were, like, talking about Biden. And she was saying, she's like, I'm going to make calls for him, whatever. Um, and I was just, like, I know people. She was saying how, like, you know, he wasn't her first choice. But and I was kind of saying to her, like, we need to just act like he was. Like, yeah. we all need to just, like who fucking cares like yeah he's the only hope because i know he's obi-wan kenobi right now yeah like so i mean i decided i'm not going to be disappointed with him anymore <laughs> i'm gonna be really excited i'm gonna try to go mm-hmm. back to like the way i felt about him when he was obama's vp and i really thought he was great and see the best in him because this is our situation <laughs> Yeah, there's what else are we going to do? You know, that's a, a vote for someone who's not Biden is a vote for Trump, basically, at this point. So, yeah, yeah. And every vote really matters, especially if turnout is depressed because of a virus that kills the elderly. And, you know, lack of funding to the USPS, which I'm sure USP, USPS that I'm sure we'll talk about this week. We will. I'm sure that'll yeah. be an ongoing topic. Yeah. All right, Brian, this has been a pleasure yeah as much as the corona cast can be a pleasure yeah okay so before we close out um tomorrow's episode is going to be an interview with ben sheehan author of the book that's just out tomorrow actually that is called oh my god what the fuck does the constitution actually say a non-boring guide to how our democracy is supposed to work I think it could be a really important book. So I'm excited to hear this interview with him. Amanda will be doing it. And I will be checking that book out because what else am I doing these days? <laughs> All right. Well, until the end of COVID-19, I'm Brian Russell-Smith. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And this has been the SUP Daily Corona Cast. The Betches SUP Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The SUP is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUP at Betches.com. Betches.